Welcome to Travel with Brack Tours, a new podcast series about travelling around Ireland and Scotland. We'll be sharing stories and travel tips about visiting both Scotland and Ireland and hearing some great stories from the team at Brack Tours and many guests. Also find out more on how Brack Tours can make your vacation one you'll never forget. At Brack Tours, we didn't invent travel, we made it fun. Today we have uh, some very interesting guests with us. We have Dr. Tim Campbell, who's director of the St. Patrick's Centre above and down Patrick. You're very welcome, Tim. Hi, Colin. And we also have two fine ladies that have an interesting story and who, could I say, were kidnapped by Tim to get involved at St. Patrick's Centre. And that is Lynn Kelly and Martina Purdy. And we're going to hear their story and about how they've developed a beautiful Camino walk. And I'm glad to say we have also Peter from Brack Tours back with us again. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to this. That's yeah. good. Yeah, we're all looking forward to a good conversation here today, guys. So, Tim, 20 years ago, you stepped into the fore when the centre opened, 2001. But I'll be correct in saying that. Yeah, yeah. I was the first director of the St. Patrick Centre. I was, I actually had created the, or helped to create the exhibition. So I wrote the script, as they say in the movies. And then um, I, I had the opportunity to go for, to actually to get the job, and I always remember I I, I took the uh, I I did did the interview, got the job, and I'd never actually been inside the building, so I only actually stepped over the threshold to see what I was getting involved in. About a fortnight before the thing opened, uh, or maybe three weeks before it opened, and I had never actually been inside it before, so it was quite a scary experience. Well, you've, you've certainly moved on to that. So it was actually part of the Millennium Project, wasn't it, at that time? Yeah, there were five signature projects to rebuild the tourist economy in Northern Ireland. And in those days, one in 10 people were coming north. Most people were getting out an international visitor. Most of them were coming into Dublin Airport, taking a right, going to Dublin and going to the, you know, Cork and Kerry and all the usual places that people went to. So we were one of five signature projects to try and encourage people to come north. The others being the Giant's Causeway, the Walls of Derry, London Derry, uh, the Mountains of Mourne. And there was an idea to do something around the Titanic, but in those days it was ten years before the Titanic project became on stream. Yeah, uh-huh. well, it's great to see how the centre really has developed over the year, over time. You know, I remember, I suppose maybe an interesting story with Peter actually straight away is uh, Peter, you actually took one of the first groups up to the centre the first week it opened. Is that correct? Yeah, indeed. Uh, I I was would certainly in the first week. I may not have been the first group there, but I. I I may have been the second or the third, but um, I, I remember being a little apprehensive going in, thinking, you know, it's a new project and, and uh, you know, teething problems are good and I have good, some group, good, you know, events like that. But it ran very smoothly. But it, uh, I was struck really by how different it was from your regular, you know, visitor centre. Um, and it just showed and it told the story in a different way from what we've been used to, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, uh, Dr. Tim's enthusiasm really came through. And, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those one of those moments, one of those days that I remember ever since, like one of the few, you know, things that happened in what we do that just sticks with you because the, the group came out on a high and they were still talking about it by the end of the tour, which was 
like just wonderful. That's, it's, it was, yeah. It, it's and a it's, good endorsement straight away, Peter. Yeah, well, it, it, it really is something that shouldn't be missed. And I mean, it's a story that, well, it, it's, it, St. Patrick is somebody that everybody around the world knows about. And it's just like the story behind it is well mm-hmm. told here. Well, it is, and, and and to this day, it's still the only centre in the world that has yeah. a permanent exhibition to St. Patrick, you know, so, uh, and it's it's stood time, it's stood many, many things, but when I mean, you think of, of 9-11 and different things that have happened over the past 20 years or so, and that we're in now to another situation, but no, it's great. And just to tell you, Tim, Peter says it's one of his favourites, so there well, you go. <laughs> He's a wee bit shy at times, but you know, it's yeah. not like that. But uh, it's funny you said about all the different things that have happened during the time that we've been here. I mean, for the first, first thing to say is that you know, the exhibition t- t- tells the story of Patrick, and everybody said, Well, there's a hundred million people around the world celebrates our product every year. So, how can you come to Ireland and not find out about St. Patrick? Is, is one thing to say. Yeah. But in terms of all the things that have happened since we opened, I mean, we haven't officially opened because of foot and mouth or hoof and mouth, as people say <laughs> in America. And then just as I was on um, a course to get over hoof and mouth, then 9-11 happened. And that was within six months of us, you know, trying to open. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's just been a lot of things have gone on. Um, but tourism in, in our part of the world has increased. More and more people have realized that, that, Northern Ireland is the, the Ireland that a lot of people think they're coming to Ireland to see. Um, lots of hidden gems. And whenever people come to your particular part, of course, it's not just the centre. We're right beside St. Patrick's Grave. So it's not, we're not just telling a story. There are artefacts involved too. There's the first church in Ireland uh, at Saw, uh, where he died on the 17th of March. The first church in Ireland that was built in 432. But it's really hard to get across to people the dates. I mean, if you think of the medieval cathedral where Patrick's buried beside us, mm-hmm. it, it's a thousand years old. You know, I know. And you think of the people who have come and gone and on all those sides. We're just the latest custodians and we're trying to pass on in our own way and tell a story. And, and um, you know, I think it's, it's gone from strength to strength. It definitely has. But uh, you've touched on, you know, you're talking about living history there. Uh, that's what you're talking about, you know. And you've also the healing wells there as well, you know. So there's a lot of it. I know, our ladies, I'm not leaving you out intentionally on, on this conversation. <laughs> I'm happy to I know listen. you're going to get in, but I know. We're enjoying this. <laughs> I, I know some of, of, of what Tim has mentioned there is something that, that's actually you've developed. Actually, we'd we'll stay with you just for a little moment. And, and maybe because we're talking about Tim in the center, uh, and particularly how you both got involved actually with, with Tim as well at the center. Maybe you'd like to tell us a little story about that um, we can touch uh, maybe you could bring in your background too Martina you were in journalism uh, Elaine you were a barrister at one stage and, and then you took a I suppose a path in a different direction should we say it's that a nice way to introduce it for you okay. well uh, very briefly um, I was a BBC political correspondent uh, for about 15 years and I covered the ups and downs of the peace process and wrote a book about it and um, I uh, enjoyed it immensely and it took me to some amazing places and I had a very privileged life uh, going to the White House, to Downing Street, um, to the Arctis. 
But I suppose that there was something growing in me that felt that there was a greater meaning uh, that I was missing in my life. And I, I suppose through prayer, I started to pray more, started to feel that my life was all about me and I wanted to give something back. And I kind of had this idea that I would be an aid worker in nice clothes in Africa. <laughs> like Princess Diana. Like Princess Diana without the money and the looks, but you know, had the mascara no, and the you hair. Had you had a bit of had it. Had a bit of it. <laughs> and that kind of evolved over time to to my horror uh, that the Lord was actually calling me to something deeper. And after I wrestled about it and played hard to get and told him he really wasn't my type, I fell for him in a very profound way. And once I realized that this is what I was being asked to do, um, because I knew there was no going back to the BBC, I I was very happy and it cost me nothing to walk out. I I just wanted to start my new life. And I did in um, November uh, 2014. And just a few months before um, I arrived at the Adoration Convent, Elaine, who'd been a practicing barrister, was already there. Uh, and I thought she was a troubled teenager who the nuns had taken in. <laughs> the lighting was very good. <laughs> yeah, so like Martina, I had a profound experience. Um, I'd been a barrister for 23 years. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer from when I was 12. And, um, but you know, <clears throat> I knew that I knew that something was growing deeper inside me. Um, I had my, my Catholic faith was very important to me. It wasn't always important. You know, when I was at university, I kind of wandered off, but my mom's prayers brought me back and my faith, uh, extremely important and like the air that I breathe. But I noticed in my mid forties that something was growing in me. Like you're going to give birth to something. I just didn't know what it was. And then one profound night in the Adoration Convent where I then entered, I was in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament, which to Catholics is the true presence of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I know a lot of our um, other Christian brethren have a great profundity and a great respect for that. And in that moment, I received from the Blessed Sacrament a call to be a sister of adoration. And it turned my world upside down. And the Lord told me he wanted me to be a sister of adoration. I walked in a barrister into the convent church and I walked out. Uh, knowing that I was going to be a sister of adoration. So like Martina, after a short period of discernment with the sisters, I then entered and the two of us became firm friends. And so we, fast forward five years. Well, we used to say in the convent, she walked away from her big money, her big job and her big Jeep, but she kept her big mouth. That's true. <laughs> so fast forward five years, Martina. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, there's two stories that we could tell. I'll let Elaine tell the story of how we first ended up at the center as visitors. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, tell yeah. the story that when I was a political correspondent, I used to bump into occasionally to the... Um, uh, the MLA uh, Basil McRae, who I think at the time was an Ulster Unionist. And he occasionally was with Tim, Dr. Tim uh, Campbell, who seemed like a very pleasant person. <laughs> we used to have these chats about um, the work that they were doing. And, but I never in a, a million years would have thought I would have ended up uh, working as a PR person at St. Patrick's Centre for Dr. Timothy Campbell. So this is, this is just a quick little soup song just to give you this. Um, in June 2016, Martina and I were very much uh, in our vocations as Sisters of Adoration. We were asked by Father John Murray, who's the current parish priest of St. Patrick's in the town, to come and give a testimony, each of us, to the parish and when we came, one of the first places we went to, our novice mistress sent us down to at half ten, nine o'clock in the day. To her horror. <laughs> which turned out to be very prophetic because one of the first places we went to was the centre and we were fully dressed in our habits. 
And we went in upstairs to um, have a cup of coffee and at lunch. lunch. At lunch. In the garden. We had a scone and it was immense. And I thought it was a beautiful place. <laughs> and I remember thinking to Martina, um, this is never going to happen again. Once we leave here, we'll never be back. That's it. So and the Lord has a tremendous um, sense of humor. And, you know, be, you. Car- be careful what you pray for because you never know where you want to end up. <laughs> so here we are now, both working with the center and as pilgrim guides. As pilgrim guides, Martina works in the center. I work uh, as a pilgrim guide affiliated to the center and with Martina and Tim. And it's just been an immense experience. And very briefly on that trip, we also went looking for the Catholic Church of St. Patrick in um, in Saul. We thought it was a Catholic church, his the site of his first church, but we found that it was a little stone church, which was Church of Ireland. But in we went. There was two other sisters. Four sisters in full habit. And we, we went up to the altar and we all knelt before the cross of Patrick and we prayed uh, for Christian unity and we signed the register and left, not realizing that within a few years we'd be back almost to the month uh, in, in our As um, guides. High so that was it. You signed up that particular day and you didn't really know it, did you? <laughs> I had no idea. Give the Lord a blank check. You never That's know. It. He's a wild so, and crazy guy. He is. <laughs> what we're going to do, we come back and actually talk about actually the Camino that you've developed in a minute or so. But uh, Tim, I'd like to come back to you because you were speaking about St. Patrick and it's his pull right around the world in particular. And uh, I know you have a, a, a big uh, connection with the US and also the, the Friends of St. Patrick initiative that was developed out in the United States. And I remember one time that we were out and myself and Nula were actually out in Mil- Milwaukee at the time and, and you took us out to visit one of the chapters when you're out there. So maybe you might explain to some of, of our listeners the, the process behind that chapter and the initiative, maybe. So the, the rationale behind that was that... Um, Lots of different places used to have friends. We probably still do. There's the friends of the cathedral, the friends of the museum. Mm-hmm. I thought, why isn't friends of St. Patrick, St. Patrick Centre? Um, and ironically, you know, people used to come, you know, thousands of miles, particularly from America. They said, you know, if there's anything we can ever do, if there's anything we can ever do. And one person who came was, um, in those days, he was Archbishop Timothy Dolan. Now he's Cardinal Timothy Dolan from St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. But he was the, 12 years ago, he was the Archbishop of Milwaukee. And he came with a group um, from the, the Milwaukee area. And uh, he came in one day and with two buses. And he was a VIP. And I was showing him around. And uh, he was so taken with it, he said, you know, if there's anything I can never do, in the subsequent um video that he did for for me actually he looked straight at the camera and he said I told him if there was anything I could ever do and then he, he looked at the camera and said never say that to an Irishman <laughs> <laughs> so um, he, he told me whenever he was here that he was from Milwaukee I said where's that he said have you heard of Chicago I said yeah. he said it's a wee bit north of Chicago so he said you've got to come we've got this big Irish festival Irish festival have you heard of it um, I wish you hadn't and he invited me through their executive director, Liam called Ian Anderson, to come to the next uh, Irish Fest. So um, because he was taking mass, uh, and the mass in Milwaukee is in front of I think, maybe 20,000 people. I mean, it's huge in an amphitheater, the Marcus Amphitheater. So as soon as Jane heard about me, she invited me over. And I also went to a place, uh, there was an Irish fair. There's a series of Irish fairs on um, in, during the summertime. And uh, there, there just seemed to be good places for me to connect 
to people who had an interest in coming to our part of the world. So in, I went to Minnesota and um, I, I set up a little booth there and um, just on my own. And I started to recruit people to be involved in a Friends of St. Patrick organization, which um, and then I did it in Milwaukee. And eventually I am. Um, we, we started to, to take that to Pittsburgh, Toronto, Arizona. And it's really a reflection of people coming here and being interested mm-hmm. in what we do and wanting to do something in the spirit of St. Patrick, which is more than snakes and shamrocks and green beer, to, to form a greater connection and a deeper understanding of the northern part of Ireland. Because, you know, particularly back in those days, people didn't really know a lot about it. Many people had connections, friends, families from here, but but it was the, the bit of Ireland that nobody was really talking about. So they wanted this deeper connection. I wanted also to be able to do something where I could encourage them to think of St. Patrick in a different way. Um, I think of St. Patrick's Day is a day of charitable giving rather than just getting drunk. Um, so so we kind of met in the middle and there was... There was um, we started to work with organizations like Feed My Starving Children, Hunger Task Force, Salvation Army. Um, and we, we, um, we, we built, built the chapters up from that. And then we had a um, the, the collect food on St. Patrick's Day. They have a young ambassador program. I very quickly saw that it was young people. You know, there's a lot of organizations out there that have older people in them. Uh, like fraternal organizations are full of old guys particularly. Um, so I thought, well, let's try something where we're aiming towards young people and we have something every year where they're always selling and promoting what we do within their or within their um, areas so that rather than coming and setting up my stand once a year, those people can be trying to promote us all year round and have a deeper connection with us. It was something that um, I suppose it struck me, um, particularly when we, you took us that night to, to meet the, the chapter up in Milwaukee. Uh, and the, the amount of young people that met and greeted us, uh, but actually spoke on the night. And yeah. you could you could see their devotion to, to in life to what they were doing um, which was it was very very clear and um, I suppose as you say the Young Ambassadors Programme they actually come over here to, to Northern Ireland as well isn't that part of the, the programme as well? Yes yeah, so we have every year we would have uh, at least six and there's, in the start of it we had up to 12 people came so you know there's a minibus full of people generally and um, we would place them depending on what they're interested in sometimes they're interested in journalism so we put them into the down recorder and embed them in different things that they're interested uh-huh. in actually back in the day Martina took um, one of our girls from Toronto and, and mentored her and, and helped her in the BBC um, but they can be involved in politics and all I mean, we've got people now who work in Washington at Capitol Hill who went through your program and have continued to have a connection with us so we and but to say that we've changed lives I didn't really know what was going to happen whenever we started <laughs> I quickly realised well we realised within the first couple of years we had to actually tell the parents you know that you know your, your children are going to have a life-changing experience. I say children, these people are... I always yeah, say that's not <laughs> enough to look after me really is the criteria. <laughs> okay. uh, and, you know, so, so we, we're, saying, we're saying to the adults, like, your children may not actually come home, literally may not come home, because yeah. out of the first couple of years, several of them stayed and got married. It's the draw. Yeah, it's something you do. We could nearly call you a matchmaker now as well, could we? <laughs> <laughs> 
we could add we could add that here to your to your yeah. resume. There's, there's several um, several babies right there. Should be called that. It's down to Dr. Tim Campbell. <laughs> I got it. Have to have to on that comment and then <laughs> No, but it, it's interesting, you know, and it's great to see how the chapters have have grown over the years in the United States. And I know you go out a couple of times a year, and you know it's 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 a it's a constant work in progress got to say it that way yeah 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 it is it is is. some very good friends and great connections and it has led us in in unexpected ways just like martina and lane are talking about their journey and i suppose whenever we encourage people to come on our new uh walks we're kind of we want to learn about their their journey in life and we want to talk about where we come from as well so it's it's a kind of pretty unique experience. Yeah. Uh, ladies, getting back to yourself um, and just on what Tim's just mentioned there. So so he hooked you in. He says, <laughs> right, you're going to do something for me. Isn't that correct? And then <laughs> you come up with the idea of the Camino, so the walk. Um, and I know, Elaine, you had been out walking around the countryside I suppose maybe it was something that you didn't realise what was on your doorstep at the time, maybe, when you went down to Down Patrick. Yeah. And yeah, then you, was, um, something that Mart- you developed from that. Yeah, well, what happened was when Martina and I were just about to leave the convent, we were so blessed because actually a lady who used to come to the convent just a few days before we were due to leave, she was told. And immediately she made a place for us here in Down Patrick. So like St. Paul says in the gospel, we, we have found such unusual kindness. And when we came here, um, you know, it took a few months, you know, kind of getting sort of embedded in. But whenever the lockdown came, it was amazing because um, it kind of forced us, forced me to go out into the local area and to walk around. Because previously to that, we had been driving to Newcastle, to Belfast, Davis Mountains, you know, the area I came from. Because I love all that area. I love walking, running, hill climbing, all that stuff. But I never had discovered what was on my doorstep. And when the lockdown came, you were forced to walk around the local area. But um, before I go into that, I want to bring in Martina because there's a really interesting story that actually began this Camino. And Martina and Tim were very much at the centre of that. Do you want to explain that a wee bit? Well, just to say that my what happened is when we arrived in Dempatrick, um by February, I was starting, we used to joke that we were a couple of bums now and <laughs> had to get a job. And I didn't want a job. I wanted a mission. We are nothing and we're doing nothing. We have nothing. <laughs> we are nothing. Um, so that, that kind of, so around the end of February, I we were very involved in prayer at the St. Patrick's Church in the town. And we uh, was coming out of mass one Saturday morning at late February, went in to buy some St. Patrick's prayer cards to hand out on St. Patrick's Day and went back into adoration and was praying to St. Patrick to help me find a mission. And just in between that, as I left the shop, um, this man approached me. He said, are you Martina Purdy? I said, yes. He said, oh, we have a mutual friend. And then he said, look, I'm with St. Patrick's Center. Uh, would you like to do some writing? And I was still holding those prayer cards going, wow, that was fast, St. Patrick. <laughs> and within a few days, I met Tim and uh, a couple of members of the board. And it was agreed that I would do some PR and writing. 
problem was that when I started on the 16th of March, the third thing I wrote was we were closing for COVID. So Elaine and I were back on the couch watching Murder, She Wrote and uh, <laughs> going for our um, legal our legal walk, which we used to... Um, once a day. We once stretched day. it out. We stretched it out. So we started walking to the grave and then St. Patrick's Church in Saul. And I said, you know, Tim has given me this uh, Camino passport, but you got to get into the car. They don't have one for walking around down Patrick. Yeah. So I started... Um, Based on the the Camino passport he he had given me, I started writing one that was based on the walk. And then um, Tim, when the lockdown ended, Tim and I and um, Tim's wife and Elaine and I and um, we walked around and he, he found a better route through from uh, Saint Patrick to Stroll Wells, which is mm-hmm. the largest monument to Saint Patrick in the world to the Holy Wells, and it was beautiful. I started calling it the Way of Tranquility and. So we connected all those dots. We have seven holy sites that are all connected. Uh, We printed up the passport. It's a Camino-style passport. Tim got a little stamp of a little bishop's mitre, and people go along, and it really matters to them as pilgrims that when they get to the site, they want their passport stamped. Yeah, if I could just come in and say that what I what I thought was amazing was that there were all these amazing sites around Down Patrick. And although yes, it's wonderful that they had the big pilgrim way from Armagh Down Patrick direction, but we were missing out on all these other things. And also there turned out that there was a beautiful uh shrine to St. Patrick in St. Patrick's Church in the town, which was is the biggest uh shrine to Patrick in Ireland. And it has all these mosaics. And when I bring people in to see that, they're gobsmacked. And I mean people of all faiths, traditions and none. There's such a beauty there. This is our national apostle, whether people know it or not. There is a there is um, a grace and a truth there. And also when we bring people around, there is a spirituality of creation. There is the beauty of being out in the, in the fresh air and around everybody else and people with you. And it is a pilgrimage. Do you know, it is a pilgrimage. It's not just a walk. It's a pilgrimage. And one, one thing I want to home in on is in relation to this particular pilgrimage, what we find was the people of Downpatrick, who we got to know through living here, they really connected with the uh, St. Patrick's Way because the centre, which was in Downpatrick, a lot of our friends hadn't really gone to it. They saw it more, I have to say, as maybe sort of for the US or outside, which wasn't the case. But whenever we started to walk, they started coming in. Friends of ours started coming on the way. They're starting in the St. Patrick Centre. I mean, Tim is always connected with the people that I'm Patrick, but more started to come and connect. So it's been really revolutionary. And as I said to Martina, when we started this in July with Tim, it's been on a way in a prayer. We started on around about the first or of July, or give or take, with 15 people. And like we had, like we had shoestring, we had very little money, and people flocked to it. We found that, you know, uh, it's an interesting story. If you don't mind me just uh, coming in there, Martina, and it's an interesting story that you're you're telling for the simple fact that, you know, you've brought the local community to connect with something that has always been there for them, but probably that they, I wouldn't say ignored, but just took it for granted. I think that's quite normal. Um, you know, you meet people who who live at the foothills of Slemish who haven't climbed it. And so I think um, people don't always really appreciate the beauty that's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. I think for Tim, my idea was for people to walk this alone and take out their passport. But Tim had the idea of the guided um, pilgrim walks, which I, I 
wasn't really sure people would be interested in, but they they were. And as Elaine said, they didn't just come from the local area. They came from uh, Belfast, um, Tyrone, uh, Donegal, Derry, Mayo, Mayo Laos, Laos, Sligo. Yeah. I, I was really surprised when someone came from Mayo. Almost the four corners of Ireland when they could during the lockdown. It was amazing. Yeah. And, and they brought their children. It, it, yeah. it is, it, and it's a great, it's a, it's a great way. And as you said too, particularly the year that we've just had, oh, yeah. um, you know, with the health and well-being of everybody to the fore at the moment, you know, something like, um, as you said, the Pilgrim's Walk, the Camino, is is something different that can be, I suppose. Families can enjoy together, getting out. So it's it's actually taking families to explore, get them out with each other, uh, instead of what we they would have normally been doing. Kids heading off to Spain or parents going one direction. So something like this really is is orientated to, I suppose, bringing that family aspect back in as well, but also finding yourself in touch maybe with your spiritual side as well. Yeah, being out what, in the in the air, being out there, uh, and it's something you know. All I can say is, we you, you have to have admiration for something like that. Well, Colin, this has all the ingredients. I mean, it has um, heritage. It has it has the heritage, but it has St. Patrick, the National Apostle of Ireland, and I have to emphasize that because whenever we were searching it, we we discovered that. Patrick um, has over 880 churches named after him in the world. I mean, St. Augustine, who was of his generation in his time, has nowhere near that. And he's massive. As Tim rightly said about uh, the, the, the USA and everything else. I mean, the green of Patrick goes everywhere or the blue goes everywhere before him. And a lot of people, it's also about if people are not into the are not into the faith aspect of it. He's a hero because he came back after um, he had been stolen from his family, six years stolen from him and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. and he came back to rescue the Irish people. Now, my God, that is a hero, you know, and he, he you know, he loved us. He, he learned our language. He inculcated himself and he died here. He lived and he breathed and he died here. So, I mean, I think that's a real story and I think it's a real hero story as well for people too. It's, no, it's, it's yeah, you're talking- definitely very interesting. Definitely very interesting. Just, uh, just uh, we've come back to you. I know Peter yep. wants to come in there. Um, I know, Peter, you're taking so many groups over here. I'm, particularly some of them have been church leaders in the past. Oh, oh absolutely. And uh, if we had have had something like this, Going back, I mean, well, it'd be great, but we didn't. But then, I mean, that's how Irish tourism has been developing, in that there's so many new aspects that we can that people can enjoy visiting here. But uh, just so that everybody knows, um, I think I read that it's uh, at the moment the this uh, is about 19 miles. Is it at the moment? 17. Yeah, it's 17 and a half. It's in one day. It's not for the faint-hearted. Um, so we encourage people to do it over two half days. The Elaine says I do the old lady walk in the morning, which is a very pleasant walk. <laughs> Starts around nine with the film of Patrick's life. And you walk uh, to Inch Abbey along a really beautiful area of the Coil River. Um, you see the Mount of Down where the Anglo-Norman uh, Anglo knight uh, de Corsi um, defeated the local chieftain and championed Patrick, naming the town in his honor. And then we walk to Saul Church uh, to see the cradle of Christianity, the cradle of Christianity, where Patrick founded his first church. So that story unfolds as we go. Inch Abbey is beautiful. It's about six miles, and then Elaine takes over at the Pilgrim Lunch. 
And she leads them on what I sometimes say is a death march. I have a pair of fresh legs and I take them to all the other various sites. But we do say to people... It's 11 miles. Yeah, it's 11 and a half miles. If people are fit, you need to be fit, please do the whole day. But people are told about the breakup of the day. You could have the morning or you could have the afternoon. So come back. Some people have booked overnight in the local hostelries around here, Denver's. And they've stayed at Denver's, which has been amazing. And they've stayed and they've gone the next day. And it's been an amazing experience. And they love going back into the centre. And, you know, the centre, the shop stuff there is just very class. And they love it. We have repeat business. So when people get the bug and they like it, they come to the Newcastle. Oh, yeah. We've developed new routes. Uh, Tim with Tim, the canoeing on the coil. That's one of Tim's ideas. And we also have a new coastal route, which we think is actually more stunning and more beautiful than anything we've done. Breathtaking. And it's connected to Patrick completely. And yes, you walk to St. Patrick's well. And just on the issue of the family, I mean, we had uh, some teenagers come from time to time, children. But one uh, time we had a young man called Patrick. He was about 17. And we invite people if they want to say with us the pilgrim prayer at the St. Patrick's breastplate, just a few lines of it. And we had Patrick read it. And he was about the age of Patrick was when he was kidnapped. And this really is the universal story of a teenager who is raised in a Christian uh, faith or whatever faith their, their parents are, uh, doesn't really believe it. It's in his head. And when he is removed from the comforts of his life and he's isolated alone and enslaved in Ireland, um, he, he gets the faith. It goes into his heart and he's totally transformed. But this transformation is what we all seek. And Patrick is a universal figure. He is... Um, so much more than the caricature that you meet on St. Patrick's Day. He had a lot of courage, a lot of charisma, and he had he was a great adventurer. I know, that's what I love, adventure. I love adventure. <laughs> and I think a lot of people want adventure, and that's why they come. But it's 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 good to a certain effect. Point two, as you say, like on your walk, you're still educating the people on the life oh, of St. Yeah, Patrick, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and... Going back to what Tim said about the, there's so much just around Dan Patrick itself uh, that you're actually walking and touching living history going around on those walks that you have there at the moment. Um, it's, it's a new experience, Tim, isn't it? It's a brand new experience for for the, for the that part of the world. There, there is no other Camino in Ireland, and there's there's no other walking route or Camino in Ireland that you can walk with people of faith you know uh, or, yes. or the guys that we've got we've got we've got Irish language guide we've got a specialist history guide um, Martina and Martina have their own uh, of their own story and and uh, but I think a large part of it is also that you learn quite a lot about the story of St. Patrick as you go along and yes there's a challenge about it you know but to be here at the end whenever you see them coming back they really feel like they have achieved something you know, um, but the other thing is that people are actually discovering something about themselves. And I, I think we've really hit on something, especially at this time, because you're outdoors, you're getting exercise. It's absolutely safe. And it's a slowcation. It's not a staycation or a, it's an excursion. It's a, it, you're actually walking along and you're, you're, you're marching time with nature. You know, and you're, you're it, the idea of just walking and discovering more about the landscape and yourself and has made a huge impact. And one thing, Martina, which you touched on when we first spoke was, and I like, I like what Tim was talking about, the outdoor life and everything. But for those from the religious background and wanting to find that a little bit more, instead of it being the staycation, as you reverted right back to me, you said it can be a precation as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, most of the people who come are people of faith, um, but some of them are just interested in a good walk, but they're still uplifted and they're challenged. They're challenged by the physicality of the walk. And you might, you know, I, I, some of them, they get to stroll well, so they're lying on the grass going, oh my God, when is this going to end? And then they get to St. Patrick's grave and they finish with a cup of tea and they're so invigorated. And it's the kind of day that you remember, you know, when you look back at those times and you said, boy, that was tough, but boy, we had a good laugh about it. And I think too, people um they want to get and meet uh, get out and meet new people as well. And Tim found he found Jean O'Neill, who is a really lovely person, who leads the Irish language um, walk. And that is so special because Patrick succeeded where other Christians had failed because Patrick knew the language. He understood how the local chieftains thought. He understood the local culture. And she brings people into that aspect of our heritage. And and Dwayne Fitzsimons is amazing because his family came over with John de Courcy. And so he is part of that living history story. And he loves the stories around here. He's an expert on Patrick, on de Courcy, on the whole landscape. And he brings people to the very spot where Patrick sailed up the Slaney River along Strangford Lock. You can stand and see this tiny little stream and he brings it all to life. And he says, you know, his ancestor came with de Courcy and it was de Courcy who kind of fell in love with Patrick's story, who made um, the legend of Patrick, who hired this, who got this monk at Inch Abbey to write the legend of Patrick, who wrote the legend of Patrick banishing the snakes from Ireland. Obviously, it's a metaphor for the pagans, but when I bring people to Inch Abbey and they see the the legacy of Patrick and the beauty of the area and the yeah. and the swans who sometimes just fly in as I'm talking about be amazed. Swoop in, swoop in. You know, <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe, but yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I could just come in with one PS there. Just, we were touching on it with Tim there. Um, you see that feeling at the end, because usually I'm at the end of the walk. Um, on on the in Dan Patrick, mm-hmm. see the buzz and the feeling that we have each of us when we like, when we when we finished. Martina comes and joins us. Tim at times as well. It's late in the evening. Oh my gosh, there is just hardly anything to touch that because we've all been through a journey. We've engaged our bodies, our souls, our our feet, our hearts, our vision, everything, and everybody's bonded. They love it, and they just you know, there's it's just. Mind blown! It's you just a wonderful feeling. experience. You know you've done. You know you've done it's something. Achieved, you know you've achieved it's something. A, yeah, it's mind blown. And I well, sometimes tell people that you know, come to St. Patrick's grave and leave your burdens. Try to think as you walk. What is the burden? What part of my life do I want to leave here? And I said this to a married couple, oh, yeah. and he said, "I keep trying to leave it here, but she keeps following me out." So <laughs> they've been on the Camino together <laughs> in Spain. And so. for overseas visitors, it's very important that they get to meet Irish people because. Uh, you know, um, the number one in the experience of being to Ireland is the people. And yeah. that that comes across in 95% of the people who visit here will tell you that. So that's an experience that you would have on this. And, of course, if they meet some other locals along the way, that enhances the story. Some- but of course, we're interested because we bring in people from overseas. And, and uh, I mean, I know you've had stories of local people, which is great, you know. But it, it also reminded me, too, of the number of people who live in New York and have never been up the um, uh, the Statue of Liberty or, you know, great are people who have been in Dublin and never been up Nelson's Pillar when it was there and so on. So uh, that's that's a great story that you tell about that. It's, it's- of course, too, it may, it may 
it may extend further than 17 and a half miles because I'm sure you travel quite a bit, St. Patrick. <laughs> yeah, we think the scope here is huge and we're just kind of like starting small, but um, we have planned an excursion this summer to Slemish. Um, Elaine and I have both climbed um, Crowpatrick, Elaine three times. Elaine would love to lead an excursion to Crowpatrick from here. And we also think we can link up with other Camino walks because St. Column Kill is buried here. And a friend of ours is developing a two week Camino in Donegal. And we think there's scope for St. Bridget's Way. So that people aren't simply confined to this area, although there's a huge amount uh, to do here and to see. And the beauty of the coastline is just undiscovered nature here. And uh, so we think that this has massive potential um, for vacations, for people, for staycations and for people coming in who want an authentic um, mm-hmm. journey to of self-discovery and also a sense of achievement. But the new coastal route, I mean, it's you walk to St. Patrick's Well um, at Sheepland. It is a, a traditional route where farmers' wives used to walk to this beautiful well by the sea um, to pray for a good harvest and to lay flowers there. And Elaine has just... Yeah, it's also the, uh, the, the new coastal walk that we're bringing about with the help of Tim and Martina. Is It's also a place we go to from Ballyhorn to St. Patrick's Well. Now, it's said that that well is there, uh, was, was there as a result of Patrick and his time. And then we also travel a short distance to a beautiful church, the ruins of St. Nicholas's Church overlooking... Our glass, you can see the Isle of Man over over the uh, coast, Beautiful and that's yeah. that that is said to be a church that Patrick founded. Um, it's now a ruin, but it's absolutely beautiful, and that's just within a stone's throw, uh, basically of St Patrick's Well. And when you walk there and you go up, my gosh, you could spend an afternoon there. It's just breathtaking. The, the, the scenery that goes with these walks, that whole area, the pilgrimages, it's just breathtaking. The Lord knew what He was doing when He sent Patrick to Ireland. But we feel that we've um, landed on holy ground, and we're yeah. ready to rock the cradle there's, of Christianity. There's no doubt you have, ladies. And I know Tim, we can you can find out all about these walks and the different options that can that can be uh, taken with options. I know we touched on some of them there on your website there for the St Patrick Centre. Isn't that correct? Yes, so you can, uh, anybody who's interested, please look at uh, www.stpatrickcenter.com, all spelled out. And under experiences, you will be able to find out all the dates that we're doing, all of our scheduled tours. And we are open for, um, for, for doing ad hoc tours as well. So if anybody's interested in coming with a, a group, generally tend to be small groups, but we can divide larger groups up, then we, we will uh, field all inquiries. That, that's fantastic. Look, everybody, I think, you know, if people don't get something out of this story, you know, <laughs> that, that there's something wrong here, so there is. Um, I'm certainly invigorated myself, you know, the, as we had said, to get up on my ass and get out there. <laughs> We'll have you and Peter down for the walk of your life. The walk of your life. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Uh, I'm just touching on something you said there. Like, you know, uh, the old saying goes like, you know, and down one grave, three saints to fill. Patrick Bridget and Colin Kill. And I like the way that you've, you know, you're thinking about the Colin Kill. Martina, I know I said to you about your next door to Bridget as well, you know, the whole connections there as well. So, you know, ladies, uh, fabulous story. Uh, I wish you well with, with um, Tim. Well, with Thank you so much, Colin. Thank it's you. It's definitely something that, that are, are, 
our clients here and our friends at practice would definitely be interested in. And I know Peter's mad to get on the phone now to group leaders and different people that talk about this one and say, listen to this, listen to these guns. Um, don't forget. And don't forget that Patrick was a gentleman, or so the song says. That's true. Uh, he was. And I think anyone who does 17 and a half miles for Patrick deserves a Guinness in Denver's. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. I want you to get back into that. Look, at, thanks very much uh, for coming on. And as I say, it's definitely going to be some brilliant listening for our friends here at Bracteurs. And take care to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Keep you all in prayer. God bless you. Thank you. So that's it for the day. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all those who contributed for the stories. And if you'd like to find out more about traveling to Ireland or Scotland, visit our website at www.bracteurs.com. Until next time, take care.